but I see too many people rely on time and materials is just like an easy way. Hey, we'll just do, do time and sales. Hey, we're gonna be $60 an hour. Well, guess what? You're shooting yourself in the foot because if you're, you and or your guys are efficient, you're leaving money on the table. Happy Tuesday and welcome back to another episode of the Elite Business Advice Podcast. My name's Chris Moore, if you're new here. I'm the founder of Elite Business Advisors and your host here for the Elite Business Advice Podcast. Uh, somebody told me they're like, you probably shouldn't say Happy Tuesday. Uh, and I did because that's that's when this episode's coming out. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, then happy Thursday, happy Friday, happy whatever day it is to you. Um, we're gonna wrap up these final five weeks, the final five episodes in 2023, and talk about the five areas to focus on professionalizing your business as we head into 2024. Uh, this was something we put together. I just spoke up in Green Bay for the Sherwin-Williams district up there and their contractors. We're talking through some different things and it's kind of a new talk kind of, I would say workshop, but it's more of a, a talking educational point uh, that we put together for that event. Uh, but realized like it's come up so much in conversations with clients, with other people. And, and I think this is going to get used in a lot of different ways. And so we thought what would be the best thing to do, put it out in a podcast form. Uh, and so for the next five weeks, we're going to focus on the five key areas of your business, which for us is we kind of break that down into five areas is marketing, finances, estimating, operations, and recruiting. Uh, and each week we're gonna go a little bit more in depth on each topic and kind of share three to five things that you should be doing in each of these areas if you're shooting to run a professionalized company, kind of a, a B-type business owner, if you will, if you're familiar with Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant, right? If you're trying to put together a business system that will run independent of your time involvement of it, right? With the right people, the right systems, the right processes, even over time. Um, these are the things you should be doing. So even if you're a solopreneur, uh, as we've talked about on the show a handful of times, and, and you want to continue to grow, these are some of the foundational things you should be doing for your business to show you have a professionalized company. You're treating your business like a business. You're taking it seriously. You understand the concept of business. Uh, and so in this first episode, we're going to talk through finances. Uh, and talk through the four areas of what you should be doing on the financial side of your business to, to truly make sure you're putting yourself ahead and planning for the future and, and getting in a spot where you have that professionalized company. And so we thought this would be a great way to wrap up the year. I know a lot of our clients, a lot of people in the industry are going to take advantage of kind of the slower pace of work, right? Whether it's because of the weather, whether it's just because of the holidays. Obviously, these next couple of months can always be a, a critical time uh, for finances and just, you know, staying busy. Um, but also a time to kind of work on our business, right? A lot of a lot of contractors don't take time to work on the business, and they use these last you know this last month of December uh, and into January to work on it and get ready for an awesome 2024. And so uh, I hope this information helps. Thanks for plugging in. This is the Elite Business Advice Podcast. All right. So we're going to talk through a little bit, uh, as I mentioned in the intro, the four key areas to getting your finances right and professionalized for your business. Uh, and for me, as we talked about a lot, if you've listened to the show every week, every Tuesday, um, you're probably sick of hearing me talk about finances. But why is this something that I continue to really make an emphasis on the show? And I think for me personally, it's because it's the foundation part of your business. Um, we, you know, as we have clients, we do free business analysis meetings, uh, to sit down and understand where they're at, what they need help with, what their struggles are, what, what would be that customized kind of plan for them as we move forward, if, if they want to work with us and, and coach with us and everything comes back to finances. Like we, for example, we have a client 
and just started with this a couple months ago, working through getting like, he wanted to kind of work on the operation side of his business, right? Getting crew leaders in place and getting his crew set out and the scheduling and kind of like those systems and processes they've got. I think 10 employees, if I remember off the top of my head, that's what their really big pain point and challenge is, right? But what's the thing that we're doing is we're working on all that in the background, we're going through their financial stuff, right? Because it's such a foundational piece, right? I can help them build out to 25 employees, right? But if their finances aren't right, or if their pricing's off, or if something's not working on the financial piece, the bigger the business is, the harder it's gonna crumble, right? And so for me, finances is such an important thing. Again, if you've listened to the show, I apologize that we're beating at home, uh, but really I want everybody to understand. And obviously as we get new listeners coming in, plugging into the show, um, you know, we wanna make sure that they understand the importance of getting the finances right. And so we broke it down into four areas that you can focus on. And if you can get good with it, doing these four things, right, um, that this will really help move your business forward. And so number one, I bet you don't know what I'm gonna say. It's job costing. All right. If you can break down on every single job that you do, how much money you made on it, you can look at, you know, what was your labor cost to do that job, whether it's subcontractor or W-2 based. Um, you can look at what materials were bought and, and used for that job, right? We can look at your margins. We can see what your gross profit was on it. When we can look at everything job by job, the other piece of this is I love looking at estimated hours and actual hours. Right, and then owner hours. If if you as the owner are on the job site or your production manager who's on a salary is on the job site, right? We want to make sure we factor that into that, so we can see. Hey, if you're estimating 120 hours for a job, how long is it actually taking to do it? Is it taking 140 hours? Okay, well now is it an estimating issue or a production issue, right? If you're estimating 120 and you're constantly producing it in 100, then you're either really good at overestimating jobs or your guys are really good at efficiency and production. And as long as the margins match up. Keep doing what you're doing, right? Um, so we like to analyze that stuff. But I think to even take it a step further, and we've talked probably here a couple of times, but one thing we do with our clients is we break it down monthly. What are the monthly numbers, right? What does your job costing translate into after overhead and monthly expenses? Um, you know, if you do put money aside for tax savings, I mean, it's not technically an expense to the company, but that's one thing we, we talk about and I'll hit on here in a second is, is tax savings, right? So after we put that money aside, um, after you pay yourself, after you pay any other salaried employees, admin person, anything else, any overhead positions, uh, distributions for yourself, what is the, the uh, technically it's monthly net cash flow in that sense, but what's the net profit? What's the net cash flow? How much money is left over? I guess, however you want to, whatever term you want to put in there. How much money is left over out of all the jobs you did that month? And after all those expenses and paying yourself, what is the monthly amount of money that's left over, right? When you can understand that, you're setting yourself up for success. As we talked last week, it helps you identify when you're making those decisions, as we talked about the five steps to making decisions in your business. Number three was finances, right? And shocker, Chris went off on a tangent. Jess gave me permission. Thank you, Jess. Um, but when we talk about that, I, I use the example of when you're looking to hire a production manager. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, I'll at least give you this nugget. If you're looking to hire a production manager, we have a lot of clients looking to hire a salaried production manager overhead position in springtime next year, right? Because they're on that cusp where they can't handle anymore with their current capacity. When you have a $10,000 consistent monthly you know, positive cash flow left over at the end of the month after all those things I mentioned a second ago. It makes it really easy to make that higher, right? Because you're like, hey, if we just even keep doing what we're doing, we have enough profitability to pay for that person, then obviously it's going to return itself. If your monthly, you know, number 
Uh, I'll just use it, you know, net profit. Again, it's after tax savings. So I understand the lingo may not match up for some people that are really deep in the understanding of those terms. Um, but your monthly net profit is zero. Uh, you know, it's maybe plus 2000 minus 2000. You know that taking on a five, $6,000 a month salary is a risk, right? So you need that to pay off sooner rather than later. So when you have the data, you can understand and make those decisions for your business. Uh, and so that's why it's super important. So number one, job costing and breaking that down into your monthly net cash flow, net profitability. Again, insert whatever term you feel comfortable with there. Number two, you should be analyzing your cash flow. Cash is king, right? Um, we work with a lot of clients and you know, we start talking about finances, they're like, well, um, the checks have never bounced. So I guess we're doing something right, right? Um, we should have a good understanding of cash flow. And I'm gonna say cash flow management. I'm gonna kind of tie that one up into this one. Um, because <clears throat> if you can be proactive in the way you manage your money, and I think this goes on the personal level too. Uh, but if you can be proactive in the way you manage the money in your business, I think it's going to set yourself up for success long term. And what do I mean by that? Uh, well, there's there's a couple pieces to it. Uh, it kind of goes off the, the term profit first by Mike Mikhailowitz. We do what we call the modified profit first because I think his is super deep, though a little too in-depth. Sometimes it makes looking at numbers a little bit confusing, right? So we try to keep it simplified for everybody. Um, we say at minimum, you should have two accounts attached with the business checking account, right? At same bank, same same place, just a savings account attached to it that you can transfer money in and out of immediately. Um, online um, external accounts sometimes can be tough because it takes three to five days for money to move around if you need to do something quick. But number one, you should have a deposit account. You should have a place where all the deposits go for all your upcoming work into that account. And then once materials are bought or the job is started, you move that deposit over into the main checking account, the working capital of your business. Uh, because technically, deposits are unearned income, right? It goes in on your profit and loss under sales whenever the money goes into your bank account, right? So if you're selling work for next spring, keep in mind, if you're taking deposits now, that's going to affect your net income this year, right? Because it's going to inflate your sales, but there's no expenses to offset it. Um, if you're trying to get your net income up this year, um, then that's great. If you're really trying to get your net income down this year, maybe you should wait and collect all those deposits on December or January 2nd, right? There's pros and cons, you wanna get people locked in, but it does offset the finances, right? So I understand that, but you really truthfully, if you break down the finances in a painting company, you don't make money until jobs are produced, right? That's when you make money. So even though somebody's giving you a deposit check, it really shouldn't go into the checking account. It should go aside in a separate account until that job started, because then it's, you're getting paid 100% of the money. If you spend it, what have you seen? We've had some clients we sit down, we start working with. Two I can think of off the top of my head, I won't call them out, they know who they are. Had spent 70 plus thousand dollars in deposits for future jobs, gone. And guess what, their checking account was at like 10 to $15,000. So it wasn't like they had 90 grand in their checking, 70 of it was deposits, 20 of it was true working capital. Nope, that 70 grand just poof, disappeared, right? What's hard about that is, now every job you finish, you're only getting 80% of the total job to cover all your expenses, right? So anyways, I went off on a tangent, my apologies. Proactive cash flow management, have a deposit account, put all the checks, all the money in there. I can't say checks anymore because so much is done electronically. Number two, you should also have a tax savings account. We recommend to put a percentage of the revenue aside from every, every dollar that comes in, right? 
Um, and this would be after you move the deposit over to the checking account, just to make things very simple. Um, a certain percentage, 5, 10, 15, 20%, depending on size of your company, expenses, owner, operator, you know, what that looks like. Um, that's case specific. 10% is the average, just if you want a real generic blanket statement, don't hold me to that. Put that aside, and that's where your quarterly tax payments come out of. That's where your end of the year tax bill comes out of. Anything left over in there after you file your taxes is your personal refund, essentially. Um, but you should be putting that money aside, right? So again, every time a final payment comes in, 10% of that goes into your tax savings account. Uh, when you move the deposit over, 10% goes over into it. Uh, you can do it every time money comes in. You can do it once a week. You can do it once a month. I like once a week at the latest. Um, however you want to handle that on the day-to-day -day stuff. But you should have that. Why do I love those two accounts? Because if you're waiting on a $20,000 check and you got to make payroll, you got to pay a credit card bill, you got something, you got some cash there, you can move over into the checking, do what you need to do. As soon as that $20,000 check comes in, you put that money that you borrowed right back into those accounts, right? So it's kind of a cash flow buffer for you if you're proactive about it. And psychologically, there's something a lot better about compartmentalizing money away. Um, it just helps us understand and have a better clear view of what is in the checking account. What is our working capital? What is the you know money for the business, right? Because everything else is earmarked for something else. Um, the third point here with cash flow, you should have a three to six month cushion. Three to six months of operating expenses, you should have a cushion in your business based on the size of your business, your income or your expenses, and also what your growth goals are, right? So again, very specific to everybody. I say three to six months of operating expenses that you wouldn't cut if if everything really went you know terrible. Um, Three to six months of expenses for that should be the minimum cushion you have. Three months, obviously, on the low end. Uh, and then anything above that, you should you know, get creative and figure out how you can make some money off of that. Um, different conversation for another day, but we need to have a good cushion built up of cash to invest back into the company to weather a slowdown, right? We have some clients that are sitting in a very, very financially healthy spot heading into wintertime. Some of them have a lot of work in the books. Some of them you know, they'll have a pretty good December, January. They're getting a couple of things booked in as we're recording this here at the end of November. Um, but if they, you know, only do say 10 or $20,000 less a month than what they've been doing, they're going to, they're going to get by with that. Obviously they don't want to spend some of that cushion, but you know, when you got a $50,000 cushion in your bank account, and if you lose 10 or 15 grand over the winter time, you're going to rebuild that right back up in spring and summer again, right? And it'll compound from there. So you're you're able to weather that and not be in a really tight spot. So we want to have a good cushion. Um, lastly, we want to do a weekly update on your payables and receivables. Understand, okay, this is all the money that's going out. If everything, you know, I would say if um, we do it, we call it the accurate bank balance. It's an internal uh, kind of exercise we do with all of our clients. Uh, and we say, hey, if, if right now everything got paid out and all the money came in that we're owed uh, based on jobs completed and kind of where we're at in progress on jobs we're working on, if everything was 100% squared up right now, how much do we have in our bank account, right? And going through and just doing a good weekly update helps you understand, you know, you might be like, man, our bank account's looking tough. Well, if you look and you have $74,000 in receivables and only $40,000 of payables, you're like, oh, I get to add 34,000 to that just if everything got squared up, right? So it just helps you have a good understanding of kind of, again, where's that cushion at, right? That's the accurate depiction on what does that cushion look like is by understanding your payables and receivables. All right, those are the two biggest things. There's two other things I threw in here that I think are important when it comes to finances that I wanted to hit on, especially as we're talking at Sherwin-Williams, talking to a lot of contractors. These are some common things that we see come up or mistakes we see people make that I just wanted to kind of hit. And this was the best place to put it in during that talk. And I wanted to communicate that through here in the podcast.
Number three. So job costing, cash flow, number three. Invoicing and taking payments. You should have a, a good way um, to invoice your customers to conveniently set up payment through there. Um, and in that, I got a couple sub points here. Um, number one, always have a set price up front. Okay. I see too many people, they go do a job, the price is open-ended and they never end up making as much money as they should have on it. So for me, I always set up a price up front. I understand there's going to be some things you should probably do time and materials, right? Wallpaper removal. I have PTSD from every wallpaper removal, except for one that we ever did. Um, that should always be a time and materials thing. Cause I'll never forget the time I charged somebody like $400 to remove a banner, a border in their bedroom. And I had two guys there for two days, scraping it off in pencil shavings. That's a whole different story. Always do a time and materials for certain things, right? Um, but with that being said, I see too many people rely on time and materials is just like an easy way. Hey, we'll just do it. We'll do a time and materials. Hey, we're going to be $60 an hour. Well, guess what? You're shooting yourself in the foot because if you're, you and or your guys are efficient, you're leaving money on the table, right? Like let's say for example, you estimate a job for a hundred hours and you guys complete it in 80. Well, guess what? You're still getting paid for the full hundred hours if you did an estimate and this was the price up front, this is what we agreed on, great. Just cause you're efficient, like that's a bonus for the company or for your employees or both, right? If you do time and materials and you put in 80 hours and you bill them for 80 hours, you literally just lost profit on that extra 20 hours, right? So don't rely on time and materials except for when you should, just blanket statement. Um, going along with that same note, as change orders happen, always communicate that and update that invoice immediately. Um, so for example, if somebody, if a homeowner were working on their job and we're there, we're painting their bedrooms and they're like, hey, if we clean out the closets tonight um, while you guys are here working on, you know, X, Y, Z thing, um, how, like, could you guys paint the closets for us too? And I'd always say, hey, yeah, I'm absolutely happy to do that for you guys. Um, let me get a number together here real quick. Just let you know what it's going to be, right? Walk over, look at the closet, you know, put it in our, our software, whatever. And then I would go to them and say, hey, just so you know, it's going to be $300 to add on a couple closets. Again, insert whatever number here. So that way they knew. There was no questions, nothing. What I see too many times, one, you rely on time and materials. Again, same thing, right? You're shooting yourself in the foot. Two, what I've also seen is clients that will do it time and materials. Uh, let's say it's something a little bit larger than that. And then all of a sudden they go to them, let's just use the closet example here. And they say, hey, um, you know, get to the end of the job. Hey, okay, we're, we're adding $300 on for the closets. And the homeowner's like, whoa, if I would have known it was that much, I would have just done it myself, right? I thought it was gonna be a hundred bucks, right? So just setting that expectation, communicating that with them upfront avoids any awkward conversations. And it also safeguards you as the business owner and the profitability, right? Um, and obviously when bigger change orders happen, right? If somebody's like, hey, we want you to paint our whole basement. I'd be like, hey, great we got to come back in a month to do that, right? That's going to be a separate project, you know, so know what's an easy add-on and what are things that, you know, you say, hey, that, that, okay, we can't just add on half your house, right? It's going to screw up our whole schedule, um, you know, so handle that. Um, but on that note, like you said, the big thing, <clears throat> you know, offer payment through your estimating and invoicing platform. Have a way to estimate an invoice. If you use QuickBooks, but you also use something like Job or Drip Jobs, another platform that you estimate through and invoice through, disconnect it from QuickBooks. This is our personal advice, how we handle things. Um, it just complicates too much on the accounting side. Uh, it complicates it. You don't need your invoices in both places, right? Just have one place where you estimate an invoice through 
if you have questions, talk to your accountant or whoever handles that because they may have other advice with the way they do things. But again, my goal is to simplify business for everyone. And for us, what we found, that's just the simplest way. So I'll avoid the rest of the tangent there. And on the fourth note, you should be pricing your business for growth and profitability. I could have put this in the estimating episode that we'll do here in in two weeks, Um, but I felt like it really made sense here in the finances piece. Um, For me personally, you need to price everything you do for the growth and for profitability for you as the business owner. Um, You need to ensure you're bidding at a rate that includes taxes and profit, right? That tax savings I talk about, five or 10%, that gets built, built into my pricing model, right? Because at the end of the day, every business pays taxes, they factor it into their pricing, right? You go buy a MacBook from Apple, like whatever corporate taxes they're gonna pay at the end of the year is factored into how they price their MacBooks, right? Um, anything you buy, company taxes are factored into the price, right? Your business is no different. So you should be factoring that into it. Um, you should be factoring in profit for yourself, right? The one account I didn't mention, mention some clients uh, will have a third account, it's called profit, and they put like one to 5% um, you know, either of the revenue or of each, you know, job, gross profit, whatever. There's a lot of different ways you can do it into an account. And every quarter you take half the money out of that account as a bonus for being the owner, right? You should be factoring in profit into this. Um, don't think in terms of like hourly rates, right? Um, you need to think in what is the gross profit that we need? How much profit do we need as a company to whether our expenses to grow on, right? Um, We need to forecast kind of that growth. Hey, next year, when we add that production manager, is what we're bidding at right now going to be good enough? We're having that conversation with some clients, right? Or, hey, we're going to need to add two more employees, which means we need this and this and, you know, all these different things. Like, how does that affect our pricing right now? Are we priced good enough or do we need to up our prices? Do we need to change something, right? Um, There's always a lot of leverage you can pull, but you need to include that capital into your pricing. Uh, Again, a lot of people starting out, they think, hey, if I have an employee and they, they're making $10 an hour off of each employee, they're like, this is great, right? I have my hours I'm painting and I make $10 an hour off each person, right? So if I have two employees, I'm making $20 an hour for every hour that they both work. That's great if it's just the two of you guys and you have very little expenses, but that's not gonna sustain you as you grow, right? Um, you can get by with that early on, but if you're doing a million dollars and you have 10 employees, that $10 an hour per employee will not sustain your business. Like you you would have already went out of business before you got that far, truthfully. Um, so we need to think about pricing for profitability for us as business owners, again, including that tax savings, but also pricing for growth and how can we continue to grow our business? Where are we gonna be at next year, right? Especially if you're selling, you know, in a lot of markets, a lot of our clients are selling exterior jobs for next spring already, right? So we're trying to kind of think through so we don't handcuff ourselves next spring of what our financial needs are gonna be next spring, right? Some people are wanting to offer health insurance for their employees. Some people are wanting to do uh, like simple IRAs or certain you know, retirement contributions. A lot of different things that are changing maybe next year compared to right this second, right? So it's if they're going to do a next year bid right now, they'll go do it and sell it for springtime, but we're pricing it a little differently than where they were pricing next year jobs they completed in October, right? So we need to think through those things and kind of forecast that growth down the road. And so I hope, 
those four things helped you on the financial piece. Like I said, the next four weeks, we're going to get dive into each one. Um, I'm excited for 2024. We want to get back into some more interview style. We want to interview some more painting contractors, have people back on the podcast. Again, we kind of had some pivots here as things changed, um, you know, at, at PCA and the recording studio. And um, just, you know, we pivoted. I know it's been a lot of solo episodes. So thanks for all you guys that just continue to listen to me. Uh, like I said, we want to do some more interviews and things as we head back into 2024, get stable. Um, we have zero plans to have any more kids next year and things that, um, constrain time, uh, like I've been through the last few months, but, um, but I'm really excited for these next four weeks because we want to wrap up again this year on the five things you should be working on in your business and each sub points within that, uh, to get your business up and successful for a 2024 campaign. Uh, and the last thing I want to end with, <clears throat> we just came out of Thanksgiving last week. Um, and obviously Thanksgiving is a great time to stop and be thankful for people, to think about the people around us, um, to definitely overstuff yourself, like I know I did. Uh, and so, with that being said, um, you know, I, I heard something at our church the previous Sunday before, uh, and he talked about the difference between being grateful and being thankful. Grateful is what you feel internally about people. Thankful is the act of showing that appreciation or showing that gratitude. And I, that kind of hit me. And so what I want you guys to do when you Stop listening to this, or if you're driving, either use Siri uh, or whatever it is on Android, uh, or you know when you get to somewhere, you put a reminder in your phone. But I want you to text somebody right now and just tell them somebody that you have a lot of gratitude towards, somebody that you appreciate in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a mentor, uh, a coworker, a, a whatever, right, an employee, whatever it is. I want you to just take a second, text them, and let them know how thankful you are for them and how much you appreciate them. And what a blessing they've been in your life, uh, because I know a simple text goes a long way with people. Uh, and so just take a second and do that as we come out of Thanksgiving. Uh, those things are expected a little bit more in those couple of days around there. But if you're listening to this, it'd be at least five days after. Um, go through and just take a second and tell somebody you appreciate them. Uh, and I hope you guys have an amazing rest of the day. We'll catch you on next week's episode where we talk all about marketing and professionalization. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you have questions from today's episode or would like more information on how we help our clients, visit us online at www.elitebusinessadvising.com to schedule a free business analysis meeting. If you're a painting contractor, be sure and check out our Elite Business Academy on there too. We have a systematized program designed to help you treat your business like a business. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you automatically get the newest episode every Tuesday morning. And lastly, my ask of you is if you found that our podcast to be beneficial, we'd love to hear from you by giving us a rating and a review on whatever platform you're listening on. This will organically help us reach other business owners all over North America to help them in their business. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day.